Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't it good to know that you can trust God again? And I just want to say to anybody that's just kind of really finding their backs against the wall, you're wondering how you're going to make it financially, how you'll make it relationally, how you'll make it spiritually. I just want to encourage you to know that you ain't got to reinvent the wheel. Just trust God again. Just pray again. Look to the hills from whence cometh your help, recognizing that all of your help, it still cometh from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. Do me a favor and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, and we're going to look together at chapter 4, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 38. 2 Kings chapter 4. And we will begin together at verse number 38 as we begin talking about black health. Now, I know there's some of you that are probably saying, man, pastor, why are you preaching this sermon? You're not a doctor or a health expert. But I did not want to contract this subject matter out. There are some things that I wanted you to hear from me so that you know that these are not just things I agree with. These are things that we want to espouse and by the grace of God, hope to live out. Uh, Second Kings chapter four. And we're going to begin together at verse number 38. One of the really, really, really odd and interesting stories in scripture, but they actually, the story has some principles and some ideals that we can glean from today. Second Kings chapter four. And we're going to look together at verse number 38. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. The Bible says, and Elisha, Elisha returned to Gilgal. And there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said to his servant, put on the large pot, the great King James Version may say the great pot, and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field and gathered herbs, and he found a wild vine. And gathered from it a lapful of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat. And now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. So he said, bring some flour, your version may say meal. And he put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And the Bible says, and there was nothing harmful in the pot. I want to read for emphasis here though, verse number 39. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and he found a wild vine. And gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Today, saints, I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. Let's pray together. 
Father, I pray that today the word of God, that it would liberate your people. Lord, my prayer is that in the hearing of the word, that faith would be multiplied to such a point that we would be so informed that Satan's deception, his slavish bands, will begin to lose their power and their hold over their lives. And my prayer today is that we would not be intimidated by a conversation about health. But Lord, may we be liberated as we are made wiser in the things of God. So Lord, I pray once again that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Christ alone would be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let God's people say together, Amen and Amen. Again, saints, talking to you today under the subject, knowing is half the battle. You know, saints, there is this old cliche that says ignorance is bliss and it is attributed to Thomas Gray and his poem Ode to the Distant Prospect in 1742 he goes on to say that wherever there is ignorance there is bliss and he ends by saying that you are better off not knowing and the belief is that you can't worry about things that you don't know about. The belief is that you can't get stressed about things that you're not aware of. And though, beloved, there may be a measure of truth to that, I don't believe that knowledge makes your life worse. Knowledge just makes you responsible. Let me say it again. That knowing doesn't make life worse. Knowing just makes you responsible. In fact, I learned this the hard way. When, when Gian and I moved to Lexington, there was this Mexican restaurant we liked to attend called Abuelos. We had gone there a couple of times. The food was amazing. The service was out of sight. It was just about to become our spot. Uh, but back me up on this, brothers. You know how wives are. They don't know how to leave well enough alone. They always want to tinker with stuff and ask a bunch of questions and and so we're there about to enjoy our meal and Gianna begins asking questions she asks the server she says are these beans fried in lard and are these shells fried in lard and of course the waiter affirms in the positive yes everything we make here is done in lard and you would think that as the pastor, I would be happy to have this knowledge. But I'll admit for a minute, I was in my feelings for a minute. I was upset for a minute. I wanted my former ignorance. I wanted to go back to the time where I did not know. Because the truth is that knowledge was going to make me responsible. And, and, and the truth is, I've learned is that there are some of us that have just gotten comfortable not knowing certain things. In fact, I know people that did not want to know that their spouse was being unfaithful. There are some that avoid doctors because they don't want to know what's happening inside of their bodies. There are some that avoid counseling because they don't want to acknowledge certain traumas that are affecting their lives. There are some that don't read labels because they don't want to know what is going on in their food. 
And there are some of us that think that there is a certain level of peace in ignorance. But note what God says through Hosea that my people are not destroyed by knowledge. My people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. And the fact is that the bliss of ignorance, saints, is very limited. Because ignorance doesn't make problems go away. Ignorance just allows problems to enlarge and mature in private so by the time you recognize it there's nothing you can do and in other words it's better to know what the issue is so that with God's help you can be guided through it in other words avoiding the cancer diagnosis doesn't make the cancer go away it just allows it to spread in secret and it's better to have early detection so that you can at least have a fighting chance and in other words, refusing to check your blood pressure or sugar won't make it better. It will in fact just make things worse. I'm a witness that avoiding stepping on the scale and not knowing your actual weight won't make you lose weight. Sometimes it's better to know your actual weight, deal with the shock of that joint so you know how you need to be going forward. I mean, none of us wants to be uh, diagnosed as being depressed, but avoiding the label is not going to cause depression to stop affecting your life and sometimes we avoid knowing because we think that knowing makes things worse we think that there is a peace in ignorance but how many of us know that peace doesn't come when you avoid problems peace comes when you recognize that God is greater than any problem you face and I need somebody to know that if you're going to get the victory, that knowing is half the battle. How many of us know that Jesus says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free? And the thing I need somebody to get is that Satan can wear you out in ignorance. He has the upper hand when you're uninformed and he begins to lose power the more information that God puts in your discipline. Disposal. In other words, saints, you will never defeat an enemy if you don't recognize or know his capability. Oh, okay, let, let me say it this way. Uh, one of the things, there are a few movies I watch every year around Christmas. I watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Wizard of Oz, and most people don't realize that Rocky Four is actually a Christmas movie. Now, now I'm dating myself. The younger folk only know Creed. They don't know Rocky. But y'all remember Rocky Four? Well, he got ready to fight Ivan Drago, the, the Russian. Now, before Rocky fought him, you know Apollo Creed fought him. And, and the reason Apollo was defeated and killed is because Apollo fought him blind. He never saw any tape of the Russian. He didn't know what he was up against. But guess what? When Rocky went over to Russia to fight, the reason that Rocky was able to knock down the giant was because he knew what he was up against. And do I have any rocky saints on this line that are going to say I'm not going to fight this blind anymore I might get knocked down but I'm going to defeat the cancer because I know what I'm up against I'm going to defeat heart disease because I know what I'm up against I'm going to defeat diabetes because I know what I'm up against I'm going to defeat obesity because I know what I'm up against I'm not going into the ring blind I'm going to go in informed can the church say amen
And so do what do do me a favor and go back, if you don't mind, to, to, to the book of 2 Kings chapter uh, 4. And let's look at verse 38 because there's some things I want to reiterate from the word. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 38. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. amen. The Bible says here, and Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophet, I want to emphasize this, Elisha returned and there was famine. What did I say? Famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophet were sitting before him and he said to the servant, put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Now beloved, this little brief and odd story has some very powerful implications for us even in our time. And the first thing, saints, that this story teaches us is that when we don't have good choices, we don't make good choices. Let me say it again, that when we don't have good choices we tend not to make good choices and I think this is really an important conversation for us to have as a community especially when we talk about health because there is something about us that is very self-critical and self-loathing when we begin to discuss some of the issues that are affecting our community. And the thing I want to say real quick that even though we're talking about black health I want to be clear that this is not an exclusive message. In other words, we're not indifferent to the things that affect other communities, but there are just some things that affect our community in a disproportionate way. Let me explain. See, did you know, Saint, that uh, one-third or 33% of all of the folks in dialysis for kidney failure are black, when blacks only make up 12.7% of the entire population? Do you realize that the American Cancer Society says that in African Americans we have the highest death rate and the shortest rate of survival. Do you realize that even though blacks are reporting as experiencing 20% more trauma or mental anguish, we are 50% less likely to get access to mental treatment or health care. Do you realize that when it comes down to COVID that African Americans are 47 more percent, uh, 4.7 times more likely to be hospitalized. We're 2.6 more, more times likely to contract it. And we're twice as likely to die from COVID than are our white counterpoints. Do you realize that between the ages of 50 and 64, 23% of blacks have been diagnosed with diabetes, while only 14% of whites have been diagnosed with the disease. And in that same age group, 60 61% of blacks have been diagnosed with high blood pressure, while only 41% of whites have been diagnosed in the same age group. And did you notice, saints, I need you to get this, that we suffer disproportionately from the same diseases, even though studies show the level in activity is about the same, and that whites drink and smoke at the rate that's the same, or even exceeds what we do. And the reason that's interesting because some believe that we have a, a genetic deficiency that causes these diseases to come upon us. But the fact is that there are some socioeconomic factors that lead to these particular results. 
See, I need you to get this, saints. Do you realize that African-American employment, though down, is still twice the unemployment of white people? Now, I need you to see the larger picture. Because if you are underemployed, then guess what? You're going to also be underinsured. In fact, in 2017, of the 89% of African-Americans that had insurance, 44% of them had government assure insurance that only covers certain basic things while 12% were reported as having no health care at all. Do you realize that 34% of whites between the ages of 35 and 49 which is child raising age they are the ones uh, the 35% don't own a home while African Americans in that same age group there are 60% of us that don't own a home. 20 percent of African Americans are living in poverty as opposed to 10 percent of white Americans and I guess what I'm saying is that we oversimplified the behaviors we oversimplified the reasons but we don't spend any time at looking at the causes now in other words saints there's times where we get critical of each other and we say black people are so afraid and superstitious about going to the doctor. But how many of us know that there are certain blacks that will say, I don't want to go to the doctor, when the truth is they just can't afford to go to the doctor. Do you realize that we are saying that our kids are overweight and lazy, they just need to go out and play. But do you realize that in a home where there is poverty, that fruit is going to be seen as a luxury and not an essential and the cheapest things in the grocery store are the sugary cereals and snacks that fall within our price range we read and say the kids need to go out and play but we just read how 60% of people that have school age kids don't own a home or a yard where the kids can go out and play how many of us understand that some of our kids grow up in projects and complexes where it ain't safe to go out nobody's door they can't go even beyond the front porch you realize that when poverty's in the house your gym membership becomes very much a, a luxury and not a necessity do you realize that in some homes where there's a poverty they can't even afford to buy bottled water and so all the options are bad I'm gonna either drink the lead poisoning from the faucet or I'm gonna drink the sugar poisoning from the soda machine and I need you to get that the larger premise is this that when all of your options are bad guess what then your choices are going to be bad and see there are some of us that can't relate to what is being said because you've grown up your entire life under the favor of God and there are some of us that have pat ourselves on the back errantly we think that we're healthy because we made good choices but how many of us know that we've been blessed just because we've had good choices in fact some of us uh, have had good choices and yet we still still abuse our bodies. So, so let, let me say it this way, because as I thought about this thing this week, there was a particular praise that came in my spirit. See, there are times where I just thank God that I feel good or that I didn't do certain things, but I've learned that I just need to praise God because I had good choices. Is there anybody that can just say, Lord, I want to thank you that I had parents in my house 
that made me go outside and play and drink water and taught me good hygiene. Maybe somebody ought to just say, Lord, I thank you that I can afford fruit in my house. Lord, I thank you that I can afford grapes and strawberries and bananas and apples. Maybe somebody ought to say, Lord, I thank you that I've got access to health insurance. Somebody ought to say, Lord, I thank you that I can afford to go to the doctor. Lord, I thank Thank you that I can afford the copay. Lord, I thank you that my coverage covers mental health visits. Lord, I thank you that I can afford the gym membership. Lord, I thank you that I could go and have the surgery. And Lord, I thank you that my coverage covered the rehab. Lord, I thank you for the Advent health message. Oh, y'all mighty quiet today. In other words, we haven't always said it right. We haven't always taught it the right way. But how many of us know that we have been spared of the diseases of the Egyptians because God put some good choices in front of you? Are y'all hearing me, saints? And as I was saying with the uh, staff last night, I need us to see health not as just a doctrine, but I want us to see the health message as social justice. In other words, we only get worked up whenever there is a police, police shooting. But how many of us know that there's some stuff that's killing us more than the police? There's some stuff killing us more than brutality. In other words, don't just come for the enemies that kill us right away. We got to come for the enemies that kill us over time. In other words, we need to come for the diabetes and come for the heart disease and preach against those other things. Don't just protest in the streets. Protest at the refrigerator. Oh, y'all mighty quiet in this place with me today. We've got to make sure that we fight the power in every way that disproportionately affects our people. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Now, let me be clear. I want you to know now, now that the pastor has not forgotten my scripture. I got a little nerdy with the stats, but stay with me for a second. Because, see, I need you to get, saints, that this all fits in the larger context of our text. So we find Elisha here. Like, Elisha is like, man, just, just fresh in his ministry after Elijah's ascent. And so here, what he does is he comes to the sons of the prophets so that he might begin to instruct them in the things of the Almighty God. Now, I need you to know that understanding that they're about to be hungry, he sends the servant to go and make something to eat. Now, what you've got to get, saints, is that this is all set against the backdrop of a seven-year famine in the land. And I need you to get, beloved, that it is because of the famine that the servant, when grocery shopping, finds himself sifting through the remains and leftovers of fields that have been raided. It is because of the famine that there is no lettuce or cabbage or greens or squash. It is because of the famine that the field is empty. Because of the famine... There are no vegetables that his eyes can recognize because of the famine. Stay with me. All of his choices are bad. And somewhere out of the corner of his eye, he notices a wild vine that produces something edible, even though he doesn't know what it is. And it's amazing how scholars say, 
that he finds a particular gourd called Colquintida. And what it is, it is a very noxious food that has no bitter taste, but it is very irritable in the stomach and it inevitably will cause death. And it's amazing that the reason that's available is because don't nobody else want nothing to do with that because everybody else knows what it is. But the funny thing about famine is that in famine you start entertaining things that you would normally entertain. You see, when all of your options are bad, then all of your choices become bad. You see, when your option is eat this or don't eat at all, you might begin to reconsider some things. And it's crazy because in the mind of the servant, y'all got to get that this doesn't seem like a bad choice. This meal seems like the only choice. In fact, when he finds this poisonous vine, he's actually dabbing. He's actually excited because in a famine, you begin to shout over poison. Okay, all right, let me go a little deeper here. In other words, in famine, you get thankful for things that actually harm you. Are you hearing me, saints? You see, I need you to know that in a famine, Vienna sausages and canned sardines full of sodium feel like not a bad choice. It feels like the only choice. In a famine, the cheap sugary cereal don't seem like a bad choice. It seems like the only choice. In a famine, fruit seems too expensive and cheap beloved feels like the good choice and because you're in a famine like the servant you just glad to have something edible you just trying to have something at your reach and you'll even rejoice over that which brings you harm are y'all hearing me today saints and see I need y'all to know that this doesn't just apply to our physical health it also applies to our emotional health. You see, when there is an emotional famine, toxic friends and associations don't feel like a bad choice. They feel like the only choice. When trauma is pressing on your soul, Marlboro and Michelob doesn't feel like a bad choice. It feels like the only choice. When there's a famine of good men or good women, you'll entertain crazy because it doesn't feel like a bad choice. It just feels like the only choice. And let me just say this to the young folk, that when you're entertaining friends or lovers or practices, the way you've got to evaluate it is you've got to ask yourself, would I choose them if I had a better option? In other ways, one of the ways, one of the ways you know they are not the one is if you had something better, you would dismiss them with the quickness. In other words, are you choosing from the best of good options? Are you just choosing the only thing left when hey, there are no other options? In other words, saints, you know how I knew Gianna was the one. It wasn't because she was the only option. The way I knew she was the one was that even when there were other good options, she was still the best one for me so even when there were other pretty options or smart options she was still the best option I can't get no help in here today in other words you've got to choose the best option but watch this saints there is still a principle I want somebody to affirm by faith because even when your options are bad you still got to choose not to eat from certain vines 
In other words, you've got to set a physical and emotional standard for your health. In other words, saints, you've got to make it up in your mind that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how lonely I am, no matter how broke I am, I refuse to be fed from certain vines. Are y'all hearing me, saints? See, I need you to understand what's happening here. That this is the third miracle in chapter 4. And what these miracles are designed to teach is that in God, there's always another option. Oh, oh Lord. See, I need somebody to get that. You can't live by sight. You've got to walk by faith because in Christ there is always another option. Remember, if you go to the top of chapter 4, what Jesus does is he finds a widow who is so far in debt that the creditors are got to take her son. And so Elisha says to the woman, go and just get as many vessels as you can. And when you begin to pour out the oil, the oil will not stop flowing until all of your vessels are full go and sell them and pay off your debt in other words she was down to her last option the only thing she had left was to sacrifice the son but Elisha showed up to teach her that in God there is always another option Remember, he goes to the town and he meets a Shunammite family and the boy is sick. His head was hurting and Elisha shows up at his house and Elisha goes into the house, puts his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his body on his body. And even though the boy was dead, the Bible says that his skin began to grow warm and God shows up and does a resurrection to let them know that in God, there is always another option and the word for somebody that's down to their last dime that don't see no good friends that don't see no potential mates I need you to know that in Christ there is always another option and see, you've got to make a covenant today, saints, to say, Lord, even when I'm down to my last option, I need you to show me the better option. You've got to make it up in your mind that no matter how bad it gets I'm not going to connect myself to certain people. I'm not going to put certain things in my body no matter how bad it gets I refuse to be fed from that vine. Are y'all hearing me saints? And see I need somebody to understand that in God there is always another option. I know there is a desire to be with somebody but there is another option. How many of us know it's better to be by yourself? than to be connected with the wrong person. See, I know there's somebody that's saying smoking and drinking is the only option. The devil is a lie. When life gets hard, you can fall on your knees and cast your cares on him because he cares for you and God will give you a strength exchange. He'll give you his yoke and his burden. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You might not be able to afford the best stuff in the kitchen, but connect with folk like uh, Donna Goodman and the Akins who can teach you how to cook on a budget. Maybe they're saying, somebody's saying, I can't afford help. Maybe instead of buying the three-year-old Air Jordans for their feet or expensive video games, take some of that money and invest it in the kitchen so your kids can have soundness of mind and of body. But what I need somebody to know is that in Christ, there is always another option. Are y'all with me today, saints? 
Result of where it says here in, in verse number 39, let's unfold it a little bit more. So the Bible says, so one went out, the servant went out into the field to gather herbs. And he found a wild vine. And he gathered from it a lapful of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew. And they, the Bible says, they did not know what they were. See, the second thing this, this teaches us, beloved, listen, it, this is very simple, is that knowing is half the battle. See, this is symbolic in many different ways. Because, see, I need y'all to get what is happening in the spiritual realm here. That Satan is literally trying to assassinate the prophets of the Most High God. But, but see, I need you to know how he does it. His poison is not necessarily in the vine. The poison is in the servant's ignorance. In other words, the weapon used against him to destroy the men of God is what he does not know. Now, I need you to be clear. That the servant's intentions are good. He is literally going on a mission of compassion. He is trying to do what is best for those that he loves. But I need you to know the enemy uses his ignorance against him. And it's crazy because thinking himself a blessing. Thinking he's doing what is in their best interest. Thinking his intentions are good. He brings poison to himself. Into the ones that he loves. And I need y'all to get to say there's nothing nefarious. There is nothing sinister in this situation. We're just talking about a guy that's cooking stuff without knowing what's in it. And it's crazy, saints, because I need you to be clear. I'm just going to be straight up with you. I'm not a health expert in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I mean, I'm bad. I'm not a label reader at all. My wife be getting on me because, like, if I got a toothache or a headache, the aspirin, aspirin can be 35 years old. I ain't going to read it. I'm just going to see Tylenol. It don't care. I don't care if it's expired. I'm going to do it. And she's always on me. She's like, yo, you got to be careful. You got to know. What it is you're putting in your body. And see, the reason I want to say this, beloved, is because we are at a place in time where the enemy is simply using our ignorance as poison. He, he is getting the best of us because of what we don't know. Are you hearing me today, saints? Now, if I can just talk about a couple things, I'm going to move on. But I want to talk to some of my young people and young adults because, see, you have been convinced that vaping and electronic cigarettes is safe. But I need somebody to understand that the devil is a lie. You've been told that they don't have nicotine. But what I've learned is that they have ultra-fine particles that actually cause you to inhale more toxins than you do with cigarettes. They use stuff to flavor it called diacetyl, which is connected to lung disease. And they use heavy metals such as nickel and tin and lead that we know have poison while convincing us that we are safe. I need somebody to know that knowing is half the battle. See, the country has pivoted in the last 20 years. We have lived under a cultural shift where they're telling us that marijuana, though it has some medicinal purposes, I, I am about that CBD life. Can I get a witness? And the oil. But, but we realize that there is still something there that affects the brain. See, it's not, see, the problem with marijuana is that the symptoms are not as bad as crack. You ain't gonna be stealing microwaves and selling them on the street and acting all kind of crazy. But, but see, I need you to understand that there is still some danger there, saints. And, and see, I need you to understand this about marijuana. See, what the, the, the society, the sociologists do, they say marijuana is not addictive. 
They say you can get what they call marijuana disorder. And what marijuana disorder means is that you get to a place where, where you, when you don't smoke it, you get irritable. It affects your mood. It affects your concentration and your joy. And you go through withdrawals. I don't know about you, but that sounds like addiction to me. And they say you reach a point where you don't smoke marijuana to get high. They say you smoke marijuana to feel normal. And see, I need y'all to understand you don't know what you're doing because they can lace this stuff to make your buzz stronger with stuff that will blow the sense out of your brain. And I need you to understand that knowing is half the battle. Friends of mine, even in the Seventh-day Adventist church, we preach or we, we, we promote a vegetarian or plant-based diet, but we've done it the wrong way. We don't promote vegetarian diet because people that are vegetarians are more spiritual than folk that don't eat meat. The reason we promote this, y'all still with me, saints? It's because Ellen White, even in the 1800s, was able to foresee a time. Because see, meat eating is not wrong. You realize that Jesus, as a historical Jew, would eat lamb. He fed people fish. That even Daniel was not a vegetarian. He just wouldn't eat the king's meat. But you realize that Ellen White was able to see this thing, that in manufacturing plants, that in order to meet the demand and desire for meat, that they would put preservatives and hormones and steroids in the food to make it grow at a rate that was commensurate with our desires. And the reason if we kind of say we avoid it to a certain extent is because its treatment makes it inconsumable or dangerous to us. I need somebody to know that knowing is half the battle and see I need us to understand beloved that there are certain things that we need to look out for you need to read some labels come on and say amen there are certain things in the store when you read your labels and it says hydronated oil or trans fat. Thank you, Dr. Andrews. There are things like that that cause inflammation. These are things that raise your bad cholesterol and they lower your bad cholesterol. You realize that when you see something on a label that says high fructose or corn syrup, that it is so dense in sugar that it can literally make you insulin resistant. It increases the risk of fatty liver disease and obesity. Whenever you read something that's high in sodium, even in our wonderful canned vegetarian food, it can pour into kidney disease, enlarge heart muscles, heart failure, and stroke, or even nitrates, things of that nature that have or create an increased risk for cancer. In fact, my good sister-in-law, Dr. Jennifer Snell, taught me a principle this week. She says that when you go shopping you ought to shop on the perimeter of the store so you ain't even got to look at the labels she says you want to buy stuff that, that is plant based that don't have a label because if it's in a package or a box it has been preserved and kept and sealed by things that have potential danger to us and I know sometimes we think the danger or the inconvenience is in knowing but God's word to somebody today is that knowing is half the battle. Are y'all with me today, saints? And so the word says here in, in verse number four, this good news, come on and say amen. Uh, it's not going to make it worse, it's going to make you responsible. A amen. <laughs> the Bible says, then they served it to the men to eat. And now it happened. As they were eating the stew, they cried out and said, man of God, there is death in the pot. 
And the Bible says that they said they could not eat it. Third thing real quick, I'm almost done, is this, is that when you know better, you do better. No, that's health, that's health message right there. When you know better, you, you knew better, you do better. Like, like, I'm, all right, so I'm reading this story. And this joint is a stone cold trip to me. So, so your boy Elisha shows up to kind of deepen the, the young prophet's experience with God. Now y'all got to see like everything that leads up to this moment. Your boy Elisha has just been on an anointing roll. Like your boy, man, he literally just rolled up on Elijah before he was caught up and was like, dude, I want a double portion of that spirit. And guess what? The spirit of God fell on this guy in an extraordinary way. He was there as he begins to tell them the story of how he saw Elijah get caught up in a chariot of fire. Then he begins to tell the story of how there was some bitter and poison waters and how he sprinkled salt in the water and how God used him to heal the poison water. Then he tells the story about how when they began to pour the oil for the widow, how the oil never ran out. He begins to tell the story of how he laid on a dead boy and the dead boy came back to life. And you got to realize that these little young prophetic thundercats, they are just enamored by these stories. They get amped up and pumped up they like ready to leave the seminary so they can do the same things that Elisha has been telling them about doing and Elisha recognizing that these guys are going to need something to eat he tells the servant go and fix something to eat and so what they do is the servant goes and he finds this food from this wild vine and he cooks it in what uh, the King James calls the great pot or the big pot. Now you got to realize that this big pot, it is pretty and ornate in nature. It's got Hebrew symbols all over the outside. And because it is a big pot, it is hung on this metal rod that is propped up by two poles on the side and the fire cooks it from underneath. And these guys, man, are just sitting at the feet of Elijah. They don't want to miss a single word or a syllable that falls from his mouth. They just want to know story on top of story as he calls them to moral accountability and excellence and foreshadows what their ministry is going to be. And eventually the servant says, dinner is served. Now I need you to get this, that even though the stuff is poisonous, it does not give off a foul aroma. It gives off an aroma that makes these guys salivate. When they walk around the pot, it smells so good that their stomach begins to grumble. And when they taste it, it is savory and satisfying. See, this poison is worse than an odorless, tasteless poison. This is worse because it smells good. And it tastes good. You see, often when we read it on surface, we assume that they tasted the poison in their mouth. No, that's not how call Quintita works. What it does is it creates no reaction in the mouth. You wouldn't realize it until it got down inside of you and begin to wreak havoc. It is only then that you would recognize that something is wrong. So guess what? The poison was going to look good. And the poison was going to smell good. And the poison was going to taste good. And you wouldn't even realize that you had been poisoned. 
until it got all the way down inside of you. And it's amazing because even though the pot looked good and the food looked good, even though it smelled good, they realized that the death was in the pot. Now there's a real life principle at work for us. Because once the men realized that there was death, ah, once they realized that there was death in what they were eating, you notice what they did. They stopped eating it. Once they realized that, that what their food was doing was harmful, they said, I, I can't eat this anymore. In other words, the thing I like about this men is that even though the food was good, they didn't prioritize flavor over their future. They, they didn't go back for seconds because it tasted good. Even though they were really hungry and there ain't nothing else to eat, they don't have any more good options. They say, I can't just consume it because it satisfies my mouth. And see, too often, friends of mine, we'll keep eating poison just because it tastes good. Listen, listen, let me, let me make you upset for a moment. You realize that sometimes that, 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 that... <laughs> We'll eat poison just because it tastes good. So you realize that sugar, y'all mighty quiet. It tastes good, but it's just poison that tastes good. Do, do you realize that pork chops and, and chitlins and pepperoni, it's just poison that, that tastes good. Since y'all mad, I might as well go all the way in. Um, you realize that your bloody steak with the fat all around it, it's just poison. That, that tastes good. You, you realize that your Starbucks <laughs> is, ju is just poison that actually tastes good. All of our fatty foods, our, our fried food, it's just poison that tastes good. And it's amazing. We get very on guard about poison that kills right away. But we become very accepting of stuff that kills over time. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And you realize that if God through Elisha does not intervene in this situation. That the prophets of God are not killed by sword, spear, shield, or arrow, but that their death would have been in the pot that somebody put on their stove. Now you got to see this scene. Because y'all realize that there ain't nothing sterile about this scene. Like, like, I need you to get, like, how ridiculous this is It's like a hundred guys up here. Like, this, this is like, man, the most, it, the, 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 the most gross thing. Like, these guys, man, recognize that there is death in the pot. So guess what, man? You got a bunch of guys that are gagging and vomiting and spitting up and running to the bathroom with diarrhea because they want to get this poison out of them. And watch this. The reason that's important is because even though you got the prophets, watch this. You got these anointed men who walk under the authority of God and they still fear death because of what they ate. Okay, y'all sitting in there. Like they are under the anointing, but they still scared about eating the wrong thing. God's hand is on them. But they realize I can't keep going in the same direction. 
Now the reason that is important is because some of us who are religious live under the faulty notion that as long as I'm walking under the anointing, as long as the hand of the Lord is upon me, it doesn't really matter how I eat. It doesn't really matter how I live because the God is going to cover me. In other words, it don't matter what I put on my plate. I just praise over my food. And guess what? Everything is going to be okay. But how many of us know that you can't just pray over poison? See, I need you to understand that God is not going to make poison safe. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today, saints? And see, the reason this is important is because like we, we never like, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. We never just run around and say, let me put water in my gas tank. And I'm just going to pray over it. That the car runs without any issues. I never say, I'm not going to put detergent in the washer. I'm going to put paint in the washing machine. And I'm going to lay hands on it and just pray that God causes my washing machine to work just fine. I never get to a place where with my lawnmower, I'm not going to put gas. I'm going to put milk in my lawnmower and just pray over it and ask God to bless it. In other words, if I wouldn't do that to my washer, if I wouldn't do that to my car, if I wouldn't do that to my uh, lawnmower, why would I do it? to my body put something in it that I know is going to harm me and just say pray over it and ask God to make everything okay are y'all hearing what I'm saying saints and see, I need y'all to understand that the anointing of God it doesn't mean that I just do whatever I want to and live that's not faith it's actually presumption but the anointing happens when God brings truth before my eyes and he gives me the will to be able to act on the truth and turn away from things that are going to bring me harm are y'all hearing me today saints now, the word says that Elisha, what he does is he takes the, the flour or the meal and he pours it inside of the pot. And then there is nothing else harmful for them in the pot. So y'all say, no, Pastor, you're lying. God did bless poison. No, there is a larger principle I need you to get. And this is where we're going to shout as I take my seat. Go with me in your Bibles in two places. Acts 17 and verse 30. Acts 17 and verse number 30. Acts 17 and verse 30. Look at this, what the word of God says. The Bible says, truly, in these times of ignorance, the Bible says God overlooks or God winked at it. But now he calls men everywhere to what? Repent. Go with me to James 4 and verse 17. James 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, therefore, him, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. Now remember we said saints. That, that knowledge doesn't make things worse. Knowledge just makes you responsible. And so there are some of us that are looking at the text and we're actually coming to the wrong conclusion that God will just bless it and make poison consumable for us to eat. No, you got to understand that the Acts principle is at work because earlier in the text, the Bible says that they were ignorant. In other words, they didn't know what they were eating. And at that time of ignorance, guess what? God kept them. God kept them in their ignorance. But once they knew better, they didn't keep going to eat from that same vine anymore. And I guess what somebody ought to be doing in the midst of this sermon, instead of complaining about what you now know, maybe there ought to be a praise in your living room for how God kept you in your ignorance. 
Is there anybody that didn't grow up in the truth all of your life, but there was a season of ignorance? And even in your ignorance, you can look back on it and see the hand of God watching over your life when you didn't know any better. Instead of complaining that you can't go to the club, maybe you ought to thank God when you were in your ignorance in the club and how the hand of the Lord watched on you. Instead of complaining that you don't drink, maybe you ought to thank God that while you were still turning up, that God was keeping you and preserving you in the midst of revelry. Instead of complaining that I don't smoke, I thank God for the days that you were smoking and God didn't allow any lung disease to come on you. Instead of complaining about what you don't do no more, thank God that no venereal disease has showed up on your parts when you were living in the formal way of living. In other words, somebody ought to just thank God that he winked at it. Somebody ought to praise it that he looked the other way. Somebody ought to just say, Lord, I thank you that when I wasn't looking out for myself, you were still looking out for me. Lord, I thank you that you covered me, that you kept me, that you preserved me. You kept your hand on me when I should have been dead by weapons of my own making. God stepped in and he shielded me. God blocked it and he did not let it be so. Is there anybody that can praise God that the weapons were formed but they were not permitted to prosper? That the enemy came in like a flood but the spirit of the Lord lifted up a standard against him. Is there anybody that can say like the old song that mercy said no? Is there anybody right there in your living room? Go ahead and run across. Lift your hands. Praise God that when you are ignorant, God winked at it. Look the other way. But now that you know better, God is calling us to do better and walk in the ways of truth that's going to liberate you. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the thing I need somebody to understand about liberation. See, we think liberation is just about a dispensation of power. Liberation, saints, is about knowledge that is being applied and principle that is enacted. And when I know the truth and live in the truth, then the truth shall set me free. Let God's liberated, freed, redeemed saints of God shout hallelujah for the truth of God that grows us even in the midst of our faultiness. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And listen, beloved, I know that there are portions of this message that's just hard to hear, right? Because we're caught up in some stuff. But listen, man, listen, I'm, I'm just at that phase where like right here, 43, like it's kind of a weird age because like old people call you young. And young people call you old. Right? I mean, you just don't belong nowhere. Like, you ain't got no... <laughs> you, you ain't got no group to call your own, right? But it's crazy because, like, you reach a point in your life... Young people, please hear me on this. Because, see, it would be better for you to take care of yourself in your 20s and 30s. And not have to be trying to turn stuff around when you reach my age. See, because, see, see I'm, you reach that place where you realize... I got about as many exits behind me as I got in front of me. And see, at some point, you can play something for me. You got to stop living for now. And you got to start living for things that matter. 
See, I don't know about you saying, see, listen, I'm not one of those people that believes like, like, like my best years are behind me. Listen, Lewis, when I, when I get 80, I want what was said of Moses. I want that to be said about me. I want to be standing in somebody's pulpit with my mind sharp and my tongue fluid and my strength strong. I ain't got to put on glasses to read the scripture because my strength is not gone and my sight is not obeyed. That's how I want to be. I want to finish strong, saints. I want a strong finish. I want strong faith. But understand that healing is not just the work of a single instant. It is the cumulative result of decision on top of decision and choice on top of choice. But knowing is half the battle. Listen, man, listen. If my daughter don't get married till she's like 35, 40 years old, listen, listen, listen. And I'm like 60, 70. I got to have strong enough. To, I got to be strong enough when I shake that Negro's hand. I gotta be strong enough that he knows there is an avenger in the house. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I gotta be around. Like, I wanna be like my parents. I wanna see my grandkids and great grandkids if Jesus was to delay his coming. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna just not be able to play and move around because I'm breaking down and knees and so See, and I'm not talking about vanity stuff. See, I'm not talking about trying to lose five pounds so you can fit into a bikini in summertime. See, no, see, when you live for vanities, you'll abandon your motivation. But I'm talking about real stuff. The recognition that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Plans that don't expire when you retire. Plan. See, I need you to know that your latter. See, in God's, see, in man's formula, your youth is your best year. You get to a certain peak, you plateau, and it's downhill from there. But you know, God's stuff is completely backwards. The path of the just is like the shining sun, getting brighter and brighter the more we get to the glorious day. God says, the latter day shall be greater than the former day. So I need you to know my best sermon hadn't been preached yet. My best book hadn't been written yet. Our best days are in front of us, not behind us. But guess what? We got to make some decisions to move in the right direction. So, so I'm praying that somebody don't hear me talking about sugar and caffeine and get all wounded and in your feelings and offended and all that stuff. Because see, this is, this is how health happens. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'm living this. Like, it's funny because like I told one of my friends I was preaching for health day. They were like, you? <laughs> I need y'all to know that me preaching this sermon is evidence that God can bring you a mighty, mighty, mighty long way. I mean, you know, because I'm, it ain't, let me not say that. Let's just say I'm first generation and I ain't been too long delivered from some stuff. Come on, say amen. And, and, and what I'm saying to somebody is this, is, is this, don't get so overwhelmed by the volume of the things that we said. See, I need you to understand that just like sanctification, turning around things with your health, it just happens one decision, one day at a time. That's it. I'm not telling, see, I ain't telling you to go home and go throw out this, that, and that. I'm just, I mean, listen, saints, just little decisions. Like, so when you sit down for dessert, where you would normally get two or three pieces of cake today, just get one. Listen, isn't that how Jesus meets us? He meets us right where we are. Right where we are. And let me just say this. No, I do need to say this. And this is just ugly truth. There are certain things that we just got to do better in terms of moderation. But there's somebody listening to this word where there are certain things that like this poison stew 
You just got to say, I can't do this no more. You got to make it up in your mind that no matter how bad it gets, I just, I can't be fed by that vine anymore. So there's somebody that needs to say, man, no matter how low I get, no matter how light presses on me, I, Marlboro man, Michelob, Ciroc, little purple bag, crown, whatever it is, I can't be fed from that vine no more. There's some of us that need to make some decisions emotionally, certainly your friends and your, your locked partners, the people you connect in your heart with. You got to be said, no, for my emotional and mental well-being, I can't be fed by that vine anymore. And there are just maybe some simple dietary stuff. And I need you to know that everything is not just about what you eat or don't eat. I realize, let's check out Jonathan's uh, presentations after you realize that exercise covers a multitude of sins. Just staying active, like just walking every day, your body will produce insulin. You ain't got to get shots if you just move around every day. And what I'm saying to the saints is like, listen, don't get overwhelmed by the volume and like, oh, I got to do this. I got to start over. I got to go to Whole Foods. And blah, blah, blah. Like, not just one decision. One day at a time. 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 That's how it works, saints. Who believes the word of God? One day at a time. And, 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 and guess what? If God kept you in your ignorance... Guess what? I need you to know that if there was power to keep you in ignorance, watch this. If there was power to keep you in ignorance, what kind of power is available while you're walking in truth? There is even more power in truth than the power that kept you in ignorance. Listen, I got to go because I want y'all to eat and I want y'all to be back on the line in, in one hour at two o'clock p.m. But there's somebody today that you're hearing the word of God. I'm praying that the word of God is liberating you. I'm praying that it's uplifting you. I'm praying that it's strengthening you. I, I'm praying that God is, is reviving something in your inner man where you realize that God said, I come that you may have life and life more abundantly. He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And today, you know, just through the message of health, your mind has been awakened to the gospel of Jesus Christ and God. God's love. And you want to make it up in your mind if you're here in Huntsville, you want to go all the way with Christ. You want to say no to the old vine. You're saying, I'm not going to be fed. Watch this. I'm not going to be fed from that vine anymore, but I want to be connected to the true branch. I'm not going to be fed from a wild vine. I want to be connected to Jesus, who is the true branch. And if you're here today and you're watching online, you want to make it up in your mind and say, I want to go all the way with Jesus Christ through baptism, Bible studies, or, or, or rededication. Right now, I'm going to encourage you to email us at prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Prayer at firstsdachurch.com. Or if you're on Facebook or, YouTube, Facebook or YouTube, there's a link coming up. It's called Typeform. And if you click on it, you can make known your decision to go all the way with Jesus Christ through baptism, Bible study, uh, rededication, rebaptism, or transfer of your membership. Whatever it is, I invite you to go ahead and make that decision now. Don't say tomorrow. Don't say later. And then there is somebody else that simply needs to say, Lord, I hear your word. I know better. I want to do better. But this is what I want to say to you. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't work yourself up. Don't bend yourself out of shape. Just say, Lord, listen, this is the journey your pastor has been on. Satan, as imperfect as I am, one decision, one day at a time. Guess what? There are relapses, <laughs> setbacks, but a just man falls seven times. Can I get a witness? But he rises back up again. One step at a time. I'm praying for your strength in the Lord. Father, my prayer today is that the word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, I am so grateful for how you kept us in our former ignorance. 
And Lord, our prayer today is that knowledge would not intimidate, but the knowledge makes us responsible. And so I want to pray for that person that doesn't have good choices. May they know that in you, there's always another option. I want to pray for somebody to understand that knowing is half the battle. May we just be more intelligent, more informed. May we just make informed decisions about what, we, what it is we do in our bodies. Lord, may we present our bodies to you as a living sacrifice. And when we know a little bit better, we just do a little bit better one day at a time. And so, Lord, we realize that the message on health is not about spirituality. If we eat or don't eat, we don't make us better. We're not superior. But, Lord, we, we just want to enter into and lay claim to the abundant life that you promised to those who in fact do love you so Lord would you bless us would you keep us would you anoint us by your power we pray in Jesus name let God's people say together amen and amen we know that you have been blessed for listening to this message Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.